God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now, Lord, we come to this time in the service when I can I cannot go forward without you. Literally, Lord, in order for this to be effectual, you have to take total control. This has to be all you and not me. So, Lord, supernaturally, give strength to the speaker. Let your words come out of my mouth. Lord, supernaturally, give grace to the hearer that your wisdom, knowledge, and strength may be imparted to all through your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, you know, we've had a, a couple of messages that have been, I would say, were pretty tough. Um, in fact, um, <laughs> I didn't expect there to be more people in the church. And I'm so thankful that some of you stayed. <laughs> How about that? But I, I just want to go back to just a, couple of, um, just a couple of scriptures where we've been over the last couple of weeks and, and begin there. In Galatians 6.14 from last week, but God forbid that I should, not, I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And remember, we are to be dead to raise up with Him. We are, my brothers and sisters, to turn our backs on the old life and to move forward in faith by Jesus Christ and God. Amen? So in, in Easter, we, were in a, we were also had a a uh, scripture that was out of Galatians, and it was Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now remember, context then, one of the things that we uh, talked about and one of the things that was showed, God, our Father, was preaching the gospel even in the Old Testament as Moses you know, freed, led the folks out of Egypt, as he led the Hebrews out of Egypt and they came to that uh, water that was salty, that was bitter, that was poisonous or whatever the case may be. Put the tree in it and the tree was what made that water clean. Right? Looking forward to what Jesus did for us on the tree. Now, also, if you'll see here, Christ has redeemed us. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. My brothers and sisters, um, the law is true. The law is real. The law applies. Not just to the Hebrews. The law applies to all humanity. All humanity will be judged according to God's law. It's a little quiet. Thank you. But my brothers and sisters, because Adam and Eve were the first to break God's commandment, the curse was from then until Jesus comes back upon the earth. That's why we're not supposed to be of the earth. Between now and then, We've already been, listen, look look what it says. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Already done. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. That is good news. That is is fantastic news. Look Look at Colossians with me. Colossians 
Chapter 1, verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. There again, we have it. It's not something that we have to wait on. Oh, now, I know that there will be some. There are those scriptures, so just bear with me as I remind you. In, there's, there, we haven't been fully redeemed yet. Let me just throw some scriptures at you. In Ephesians 4, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, I thought we were already redeemed. This is talking about our full redemption. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you, having believed, were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Romans eight twenty two and 23. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have this, the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. That explains it. Did you see that? When Listen, we've already been redeemed from the curse of the law. We're already free from the curse. Sin has no sway over us anymore. We've been delivered from that. We've been redeemed. Amen? But now our full redemption, we still have to live in our bodies. So this is talking, those scriptures that I've just given you, maybe among some others, are speaking to the full redemption when our bodies are changed. Amen? Okay, so I don't want anybody to read that. You know, get, we are already redeemed. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So now look also with me now at Ephesians chapter 1, verse, beginning in verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself. Okay, mouthful here. What, what, and why have I emphasized this, having made known to us the mystery of His will? My brothers and sisters, look at We've been redeemed. And we can live in confidence because we know what God has done, what He has planned from the beginning, the mystery. I think we studied a little bit about the mystery on Wednesday. Was that true? This past Wednesday as we're continuing our Timothy studies, as we looked about the mystery. So the mystery, the mystery is God was in Christ Jesus redeeming the world for Himself. Amen? And, and we've known, now we know that. That's been revealed to us. Amen? Okay, so now with that in mind, as, as I was hammered with this during the week, redemption, and, and okay, God, really, I need to speak to the church, speak to the people, and I, I really, what, what does this look like? And, and I, I just was taken back. I'm going to blame this on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please. And so I was taken to Melchizedek, Mel- Fibosheth. And some of you know who he is, so just hang with me. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'll probably read the whole chapter, so please stay with me. Don't sleep. Listen, it's important, okay? In 2 Samuel chapter 9, beginning verse 1. Now David said, Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, who when they had called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, yeah, at your service. Then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to him, indeed, he is in the house of Machir, in the, the son of Amiel, excuse me, Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth 
the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David. He fell on his face and postulated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, here, here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of, your, of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon him as such as a dead dog as I? Tony language. Why would you grant this to me? Why would you show me this kind of favor? I'm, I'm, I, I'm terrible. I stink. I'm like, I'm like nothing. And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. And you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Melphibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Melphibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Melphibosheth had a young son whose name was uh, Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Melphibosheth. So Melphibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. <coughs> My brothers and sisters, now, to some of us, maybe we don't understand um, totally, because we haven't been in the Word that long. Maybe there's someone watching, or some of our children, or maybe you've just forgot. So, so look in Second Samuel <coughs> uh, chapter 9 with me. Now, the beginning of verse 1. Now David said, Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now many of us know exactly what that means, exactly what that's referring to. But now again, let me just bear with me. Um, Saul was the king that Israel demanded. So God gave them a king. And Saul originally had the Spirit of God on him, and, but, but what happened was uh, Saul disobeyed God, got full of himself, and tried to please the people and please himself, and just did not obey God. And so God removed his spirit. And God let an evil spirit torment him. My brothers and sisters, God then showed, I'm going to give to you my king. And I'm going to show you who he is. (laughs) He's a man after my own heart. And that was a young boy, a little teenager named David. Right? So that there's a lot of water that passes under the bridge before you know David actually has this position. We know that David is a mighty man of God. David is a, a mighty warrior of God. He leads the armies of Israel in battle against the Philistines and their enemies. And you know, uh, at one point we know that they're marching back, and you know the women and everybody are crying out. Saul slays his thousands, and David is his ten thousands. Well, Saul begins to get jealous of David and we know that Saul has it now in his heart to eliminate David. But Saul had a son and his name was Jonathan. And Jonathan could see that David was doing no evil. That David was a man after God's own heart. And, you know, Jonathan was a wise young man. I mean, he had to walk a tightrope. 
You know, he had to stay true to his father and the anointed of God, but at the same time he realized who David was, also the anointed of God. But he was a friend to David. And he, matter of fact, he warned David, no, you need to flee because it's bad. And though he tried to counsel his father and convince his father that David was not his enemy, Saul would not listen. And so Jonathan showed David great kindness And Jonathan and David made a covenant. Jonathan knew eventually what would happen. I think he knew in his heart because he made a covenant with David that David would protect his family. And David did. So we know what happened in the battle against the Philistines. Saul and Jonathan were lost. Saul by his own hand because he was wounded mortally and he knew he he wanted to die without their hand without the evil hand over him so he committed suicide Jonathan was killed in the battle when during this process Melchizedek was already born and he was approximately five years old I think but anyway one of the nurses was trying to carry him away they were trying to flee and she dropped him when she dropped him he became lame in both of his feet so now you have this Young man, relatively speaking, to me everybody's young, who has this handicap, who his family now, um, they're no longer in power. Now, in fact, the perceived enemy of his grandfather is now in charge. So you're at this, this so, so you're, you're in this, this, this place, and I want to talk to you about this place where he was. When he said, David said, is there anyone that might show him kindness? The, <clears throat> is there still not someone? This is verse 3. I want to take you back to verse 3 of Sam, 2 Samuel 9. The, then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show this kindness of God? You see that? The kindness of God. This is telling about David. This is, this is also telling about David. David knew God to be... F- Fierce. He knew God to be strong. He knew God, but he also knew God to be kind and merciful. David had a New Testament understanding of God. So he says, then, is, then the king said, Is there someone still of the house of Saul to whom I may, sh- may show kindness, the kindness of God? And Ziba said, There is still a son of Jonathan whose name, who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Lodabar is significant. In Lodabar, that, that word literally translates from the Hebrew, it literally translates without pasture or without something, but specifically without pasture. So when I, when I see that, you know, that speaks immediately the, the, the uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Okay, what does that mean? Hallelujah. Look at with me in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Is this tracking with anybody? So watch. So now I'm, I'm looking at this. Okay, God, what are you teaching us? And so you see this redemption that's happening. What do you mean, Tony? 
So now you have Melfivishef. Melfivishef living in Lodabar, the land without, without what? Without pasture. The Lord is our shepherd. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. Listen, and so now he's, he's summoned by the king. Can you imagine the things that might have been going through his head? Can you imagine he's been summoned by the king? The next, listen, the next in line from his father's family. So he's got to think that this is it. David's going to execute me. And then probably my son will be next. But can you, can you imagine this person who since the age of five approximately, he's been handicapped, has to be helped everywhere that he's gone. There's, there's, he, he, he probably, I don't even know if he can walk with a limp, if he has to be carried, or whatever the case may be. He has this handicap. He has this imperfection that's so severe. That's what he's known by. And so now we find him in this land of Lodabar. He's without. He's without. He probably has to depend on people who basically he's at their mercy. But God. But God. See, we see in David, there's this covenant. Because of Jonathan's faithfulness, because of Jonathan's godliness, because of this covenant, there was someone standing in the gap way back when. So David's intention is, I'm going to redeem. So I see this then in the New Testament when we go. We, my brothers and sisters, we were without. We were without. And it doesn't matter how secure we were financially, no matter how much food we had, no matter how much clothing we had, no matter what we think we had, with all the sufficiency that we think we had or have, we have nothing without Him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Why? Because listen, what the Lord gives me, only He can take away. And it's not His desire to take it away. Wait, 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 wait. wait. See, what the world gives me, it can take back. Just like it's taking your freedom away from you right now. What the world gives me, what the stock market builds up can be wiped out right now. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know what that? You know what that's signifying? I, the, the, the sheep, we can lie down. We don't have to worry. There's security. Amen. We don't have to kind of eat with one hand and, and watch for the other. We don't have to be nervous. We can be confident and secure. Why? Because the Lord has made us to lie down in that pasture. It is the Lord who has watch over us. Amen? We are the sheep of His pasture. But see what? In Ephesians, we were without Christ. We were without... Could you put that one back up, Addie, please? Ephesians 2. Thank you. In Him we have redemption. 2.12. Ephesians 2.12. You do have it because you had it up there a moment ago. Okay, regardless. Ephesians 2.12, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. So we have God. Listen, we've been redeemed. We've been redeemed for the curse of the law. We were without something, but now we're not without it. Now. Now. That's why it's, it's very important that we make the distinction between the full redemption 
The redemption of our bodies. But now we are redeemed. In Christ Jesus, we are redeemed. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, again, we, we, we looked at what David is saying. I want to also draw your attention. Um, you know, it's not going to be up there. It's not Addie's fault. It's mine if, it is, if, it, if it's not. In, in verse 9 of 2 Samuel um, chapter 9, here's what it says. The king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. That's, as a father, that is so important. Do you see what's, do you see what's happening? I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. And it's God's will that my offspring are also provided for. Come on. So now I'm sitting at God's table. You've been redeemed. You're sitting at the table of God. You are the sheep of His pasture. You're sitting at the table of God. And now God is saying, listen, you are sitting here at my table. You're enjoying my word. I eat His word. Right? You're enjoying my word. You're enjoying fellowship with me. So in the meantime, know this. Know this. Your children, it is my will that your children are saved. It is my will that your children are taken care of. Hallelujah. That's important to me. That's important to me. So read with me more in... in My brothers, it's going to be 2 Samuel 9, but this is a little bit further along in verse 11. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of this king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was... And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Melvivisheth. Right? Melvivisheth dwelt in Jerusalem for he ate continually at the king's table. And he was lame in both feet. When he went to David, did David immediately assign, assign doctors to him so that maybe uh, David could have him healed or something, or ask God to heal him, so David wouldn't be embarrassed of him at his table, because after all, he's handicapped. No. No. He redeemed him. You are redeemed. We are redeemed. My brothers and sisters, that doesn't mean that everything about us is going to be perfect right now. I know I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters... We are redeemed. We are sitting at the king's table. I've got some faults and some flaws. But my brothers and sisters, if I'm, unless I'm sinning presumptuously, unless I'm doing something that is uh, against his will and for my will, then my brothers and sisters, I'm redeemed. I'm at the king's table. I am sitting with the king and though my full redemption has not come with all my faults, with my I still have to put up with stuff in the world. I still have to deal with all of these things that are... My brothers and sisters, please hear my voice. I am not saying that God is okay with our sin. He's not. And I'm not in any way saying that despite your sin, you can still have fellowship with God. No, what I am saying is, because of fellowship with God, you can live above your sin. What I'm saying is, because you are a king's kid now, because you are treated as a son and as a daughter, you have power over sin. 
So I am not excusing sin. I'm not saying that God accepts you just the way you are and you can stay that way as long as it takes. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm going to God and God is ministering to me. And because I have this fellowship with God, guess what? I don't want to be flawed anymore. I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to disobey His Word anymore. But I still have to deal with this world. I'm still living. I still have not... uh, have my, had my full redemption. So I'm still living in this world. So there are still some of these things that I have to deal with. That doesn't disqualify me from being at the king's table. I am redeemed. Hallelujah. I am redeemed and so are you. I am redeemed. Despite some of these things that go wrong. Despite some of these failures. Despite some of the ailments in my own body. Because, you know, you guys heard this before, uh, my brothers, my sisters. I mean, you know, if you're perfectly in the will of God and everything's hunky-dory with God between you and God, you're not going to have any sickness, no disease. That, that, that doesn't say that. If everything's good, everything's going well, you're truly working in the will of God, all your kids are going to be like perfect angels and everything's going to happen to you. It doesn't say that. But here's what it does say. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Sin has no sway over you or your children. Get on your knees and pray for them. Hallelujah. You have ailments in your body? Okay, you go see a doctor, whatever it is, but go see Dr. Jesus. Hallelujah. You've got some depression? Man, you are, remember where you were seated. You are seated in heavenly places with Him. Hallelujah. Can you imagine what it must have been like? Can you imagine? I mean, his first reaction, Mephibosheth, his first reaction is to get prostrate before the king and bow down. And then when the king lays that on, he's probably thinking, my head is about to leave my shoulders. But then when the king pronounces that blessing on him, how does he react? I am, me? I'm like a dead dog. Why would you bestow this on me? You know what, my brothers and sisters? I think that sometimes we in the church have made this salvation thing seem too cheap. It's not cheap at all. It cost God everything. There was a man. He was fully man and he was fully God. But he was fully man. Felt every lash. Not only that, he heard every insult. Come on now. Not only that, he had to, before he was tortured, before he was reviled, he was reviled by his own family. Come on, anybody know what that feels like? Come on. Oh, come on. Okay? He was reviled by his own family. He was hated by most of the people that really were the ones that were the higher-ups, the ones that were in authority, the ones that were the muckety-mucks, so to speak. Hallelujah. But he went ahead as a man and took every bit of it. Every bit of it. That man. So, no, no, no. This salvation thing, it's not cheap at all. It cost him everything. But we cheapen it. No, so what am I, what am I, t- so, so Mel- Melphibosheth knew exactly what was happening to him. He's, he's going from death to life. And not just scraping by in life like he was in Lodabar. Not just scraping by in life, you hear me? Not just scraping by in life like it was in Lodabar without, now he's not without, he's with. He's got everything he will ever need plus. Hallelujah. So my brothers and sisters, what, 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 what about us? This is redemption. We've been redeemed. Oh, the Lord is our shepherd. We have everything we want and need. My brothers and sisters, mm, let, me, let, me, let me backtrack. 
Because I said something that was wrong. We don't have everything we want. If you've totally crucified the flesh, then you probably have everything you want. If you haven't crucified the flesh yet, there's still some things that you want that God won't let you have because he knows it's going to lead to your destruction. If there's some things that you want, remember last week when I showed you those two uh, sets of rubies? And remember the one that looked really good was the cheapest? And that's what the enemy does. He's going to show us his things to get our heart's desires, to get our attention to, to look at these things. But God has something better. It may not look that way in the natural, but in the supernatural, it's everything that we need, everything that we should have, the things that would last forever. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. But God. Hallelujah. I, I started to say, and I, I didn't, I, I forgot. For, can you imagine what it must have been like at that table? So you have Melphibosheth who went from nothing without and now he's sitting at the king's table. In the meantime, he knows in his heart that his son is being taken care of. Did you hear me? Moms, Mother's Day, parents, did you hear me? He's sitting, he has the favor of the king so he knows his kids are being taken care of. Come on. And he's sitting at this table and you have David and David's sons and daughters and you have probably the, his inner circle. It's probably a pretty big table. But, but I'll guarantee you that at that table there was more than just shh, hush, the king. Shh, wait for the king to speak. I'll guarantee you there was some sweet fellowship going on at that table. I'll guarantee you that, that Melphibosheth was made to feel like he was just like everybody else. I'll guarantee you that Melchizedek never experienced anything like that in his whole life. I'll guarantee you that there was there was such love, genuine love, not just. Shh, I'll get. Well, how do I know that? Because look at the character of David. We see the character of David, and we also know that God, what God says of him, he's a man after my own heart. Look at what David's actions in this specific specific situation show us about David. I'll, can you imagine walking in and when everybody walks in they see Mephibosheth and they see Mephibosheth sitting there and I can imagine David saying hey everybody this is Mephibosheth welcome him he's, he's just one of us and I could see David maybe going and, and giving him a hug and, and then everybody hey yeah okay and then welcoming him can, can, you, can, you, can you hear that can, can, you, can you just picture that in your mind what that might have been like some of the things that maybe David was sharing from his heart, because we know that David was a praying man. David praised the Lord. He sang songs to the Lord. Can maybe David shared some of the things that he knew of God, that God ministered to him. And maybe some of the... Can, I, I can imagine that some of them were sitting on the edges of their seats at times. But I think it was all about, listen, being secure, knowing that in the, right here, right now, I am totally secure. I have the comforts of this fine food. Probably the dinnerware was probably just ridiculously awesome. The food probably was outstanding. All of those things. And then in the middle of that, you don't have to look over your shoulder to see if someone's going to pull you away from there. You don't have to look over your shoulder to think that maybe an enemy's going to attack. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about anything. You can be totally comforted and secure. Amen. Why? Because he was redeemed. He was redeemed. No, that word redeem 
means to buy or to ransom. So when the, literally we've been ransomed, we've been bought. Those of us who are saved, if we really understand that, that's why that scripture has meaning to me and to you, those of us who understand it. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. I'm not my own. I belong to Jesus. He purchased me. I am all His. Bought with a price. The blood of Jesus. I'm not my own. I'm His. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I wasn't redeemed, my brothers and sisters, to stay in Lodabar. But I wasn't redeemed, my brothers and sisters, to, to wonder where's the next thing coming from or what's, when's the next shoe going to drop. No, I've been redeemed into, this, into God's family. I am sitting at God's table. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Is that true? Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you, I want, do you notice the text? Do you notice what it says? When we were dead in sins and trust, but He made us alive together with Christ, raised us up, we're already raised up, made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Already done. This isn't saying that when we receive our full redemption, then we get to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We're already there. I know that's a really hard concept to understand, but just hang with me a little while. In Colossians, it won't be up there, but write it down and check me out. Colossians 3, beginning verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You're already there. Okay, so what's, what's the problem? What, what? Well, we see a couple of things right in there. What does it say? Seek those things which are above. See, Christ has set us in heavenly places. God, by His Spirit, has given us the ability to see what the heavenly things are all about. Remember where we started. Remember, the mystery is no longer a mystery. It's been revealed in these times by Christ Jesus to you who believe. So you understand more about the heavenly things. You understand more about the kingdom of God. You understand that what you see with your eyes isn't in totality what it really is. Come on. So my brothers and sisters, this is, we're free from that. We're sitting at the king's table. So it doesn't matter what happens here. We have access to the king. The king has already showed us and told us. Now he's saying, listen, keep that in mind. Keep that on your heart. Stop, listen, stop trying to grab the brass ring here. There's a gold one up there. Hallelujah. Back to Ephesians in, in chapter 1, beginning verse 18. That you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power. 
which he had worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. You see what I put here? See how I emphasize this? Not only in this age. What's the implication? That we have that now. What do we have? You see what he says? Because Christ has been lifted into the heavenly places, because, listen, we're redeemed. Christ has given us these things. And because we're sitting in, with him in heavenly places, this isn't signifying something. What's it signifying? I'm glad you asked. <clears throat> a co- that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above principality, power, might, dominion, and every name. Know what that means? That nothing has power over you except God. That's what that means. So, so Mrs., we've been redeemed. And now we're seated with him in heavenly places. Yeah, but I'm still here, Tony. What are you talking about? Young people, I don't understand. What listen, listen. We are seated at the king's table. We've been redeemed. And we're seated with him in heavenly places. What does that mean? That means we have a spiritual understanding about what's going on in this natural world. Right? He's given that to us. We're the king's kids. He's given that to us. Not only that, the powers and the principalities don't have the final say-so. There is no name that is above his name. Look at look at what it says. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So that means any name that you can name in this life has no power above the name of Jesus. Now that is great preacher talk. That's great. That can, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And that does make me feel good. It should make us feel good. But how come that we're still suffering about some things? Well, there, it, there could be a lot of reasons. There could be a lot of reasons. Remember, we talked about the sufferings of Christ. Sometimes we have to suffer so that we get closer to Him. So, but we say, well, we look at it the opposite way. We say, well, if I'm suffering, then how could I have authority and power because, given to me from Jesus? It's because, my brothers and sisters, listen, did Jesus have all power when He was on earth before? Yes. That, watch, remember. He, he, well, come on, stay with me. Remember what He said. I could command legions of angels and I could put this to rest right now. But it was more important. What? He knew he had to do the will of God. Amen? Okay, so now that's why they're suffering. I may be suffering because number one, maybe I've made a mistake, a bad decision, and God is allowing that so that I don't keep going down that path of comfort and ease that leads me away from Him. So He's going to make sure that that He puts a roadblock in the way. Amen? Amen? It may be just because, listen, I need to cry out to him like I haven't cried out to him before. Or it may be that there's somebody around me that needs to see that so they say, if he'll do it for him, he'll do it for me. Hallelujah. Maybe it's someone that's around you that needs to know whether you're the real deal or not. So now, when things are good and you're praising the Lord, hallelujah, happy, no, happy, happy, go. But then when something bad happens and you're still praising the Lord, someone's going to say, I don't understand that. But I want it. Come on, is anybody getting any of this? My brothers and my sisters. Hallelujah. You've been redeemed. You are seated with Him in heavenly places. You are seated at the King's table. Let's enjoy the meal. How about it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No longer strangers. No longer foreigners. It's about time we start acting that way. It's about time we start taking authority in our houses. That doesn't mean our fathers, no, you're going to do it this way. Uh, don't be Fred Flintstone. No, nobody called you to be Fred Flintstone. 
But what they did call you to be was the spiritual leader in your house. Spiritual. Capital. Spiritual leader, leader in your house. We, we honored the moms. Mom, you know, it's, it's hard. you have a hard job. And when the kids are just constantly, 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 you need, a, you need relief. Go back to the king's table. Remember, you really never left, but now it's time that you lean in. You're at the king's table. Now it's time you lean in a little bit. Let, let me see. Maybe the king is speaking up there. Come on. Now, Tony, what the heck kind of teaching is that? Let's go back to the king. Let's lean in a little bit. Here you go. Here you go. It all goes back to that. I could say the same thing every week and it will still be true. If you're not reading and if you're not praying, you're not at the king's table. My brothers and sisters, we need to spend more time in this and in prayer than we do on electronic devices and including our TVs. My brothers and sisters, this is of the utmost importance. Why? Because where the king is, that's where, where the king is speaking, where the king is, where the king is providing, where the king, that's where I want to be. That's where we need to be. Why? If we're seated with Him in heavenly places, then no power, no authority, no other name has dominion over you and I. Let me go back. Very good illustration. Common. Said it before, say it again. God says to Adam, this is yours. Subdue it. You have dominion over it. It's under you. He lost it. How did he lose it? Disobeyed God. See, the king was giving him the meal. Something happened in between the meal being served and and we know what it was. He was led away by his... He wanted to please Eve more than he worried about pleasing God. My brothers and sisters, that's what gets us in trouble. The first one we want to please is ourselves. The second one is the people or are the people around us. The people who we want to have favor with for whatever reason. And the bottom line, I'll guarantee you that nine times out of ten, when you want favor with somebody, it's still about you. You want favor with somebody because you want what they can give you. Or you and, and it might not be anything other than affirmation. It might not be anything other than a little pat on the back. Come on, boy, oh boy, this started out to be such a good message and now it went there. Hallelujah. 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 I just want to remind you, my brothers and sisters, we've been redeemed. And if you go to Hebrews, it says, we're not been, we've not been redeemed by the, the, the blood of goats and, and calves and all of that. We've not been redeemed, but by the precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. How serious is that? Is that redemption? That redemption will stick. Jesus doesn't have to pay the price every year like they did back then. Jesus doesn't have to come down and take that cross again. He did it once for all. That blood is powerful. That blood is real. My brothers and sisters, you go to the cross, you receive your redemption, and then sit down and enjoy the presence of the King. Amen? Stand with me, please. Great God, You are great. Father, I believe everything that I've just said. But Lord, we want to live it. Father, we want this to be so real to us that from now on we're so cognizant of this. Father, please give us no cause to stumble or fall. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for calling us your sons and daughters. Jesus, thank you for giving us that by, by dying on the cross for us, by 
purchasing us, by paying our ransom. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done. So now, Lord, we're weak. There's this, I, I, can't, I just can't say it any other way. Lord, we're weak, and we're so driven by the natural man. Lord, please, in the days ahead, help us to be more determined than we've ever been to be no longer led by our natural man. Help us, Lord, to put the flesh to death daily. Lord, help us to live spiritually. Father, minister to us. Holy Spirit, minister to our spirit man. Let our spirit man become so strong that the flesh has to obey Him. Father, in Jesus' name, thank You for pure thoughts. Thank You for a sound mind, Lord. Thank You for love and peace. And all of those things that You provide for us with the redemption that You've given us. With this promise, Your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank You for being our comforter. Thank You for being... for for giving us wisdom and knowledge and all of those things that you impart to us. But Lord, I know that, that this doesn't come just because we've been redeemed. That we have to do our part. Lord, and that's where we're weak. So Lord, again, help us in our part. Lord, help us to be prepared to suffer small inconveniences at this point compared to the major suffering that you did for us. Help us, Lord, to be mindful that those things are just for a minute. And give us strength in those times as you be glorified in our suffering, Lord. You be glorified, Father, in anything that we suffer for the cause of Christ, for your name. Thank you, Lord. And now the days ahead, Father, I pray that you would continue to impart wisdom and knowledge and understanding. In Jesus' great name I pray. Amen? Amen. Amen.